Hello and welcome to the Relationships on Reddit podcast, available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and of course, YouTube. So wherever you're listening, whether you're driving, you're taking a walk through nature, you're doing the dishes or some chores around the house, or my personal favorite, listening to podcasts while playing Tetris in the evenings to relax, I want to say welcome. I'm your host, Alexander Grace. You may know me from my YouTube channel of the same name. Now, I'm doing this podcast to explore something new because I really want to go deep into human relationships because I think that it's human relationships that are the most interesting part of human existence. That's where we seem to find the most joy in the companionship of other people, but unfortunately, it's also where we find the most suffering. It's where the most pain and confusion is because people don't understand the underlying psychology that causes their behavior in certain ways or even what we're necessarily looking for in romantic partnerships. And I was curious, well, why does this happen? And so, for my entire life, I've studied human relationships. And in this podcast, I look at real relationships, real stories from Reddit, and I explain the underlying psychology. Our aim here is to help you understand the cause of certain behaviors, and that way there are going to be no more problems, because your confusion will have been cleared up. Knowledge is power, and it is empowering. I'm also going to comment on the ethics of certain situations, on the morality, whether or not this person was in the right or in the wrong, because having a clear sense of justice is absolutely essential if you're going to navigate the difficult terrain of human relationships. In each podcast, we're going to go through three stories, and we have three stories today. The first one is of a woman who has a boyfriend who described another woman as a perfect 10, and this has caused a lot of insecurity for the woman, and an argument. In the second story, we're going to explore the question posed by a female, asking whether or not it was appropriate to bring her boyfriend to a nude beach if he has a small penis. In our last question, in our, my apologies, in our last story, we're going to talk about a girlfriend who's confused about oral sex because her boyfriend is being extremely forceful and she doesn't know if that's normal. So, without any further ado, let's go into our first story. Here's the title. I, 25-year-old female, can't get over the fact that my boyfriend, 26-year-old male, of two years, told me that my now colleague is the only 10 he knows of. Short background. Me and John met at uni during our bachelor's degrees. He was in a relationship with someone else until the last year, and we started dating about six months after that. I have never been this happy in a relationship before, and we're on the same page about everything regarding future plans. I honestly feel like I'm behaving super silly, but given how long it's been, I think I need some outside perspective. This conversation happened almost two years ago. At the time, we weren't official yet, but had been dating for a while and were on our first vacation together. We were talking about looks in general, and as a game, he asked me to rate myself on a scale from 1 to 10, and I in turn asked him back. Then he asked who I thought was a 10. I always thought that the only people who are 10s are celebrities, in brackets, because they get paid to look good, plus photoshopped and whatnot. I just mentioned one or two. I, of course, asked him back, and he said, well, I think Julie is a definite 10. So my heart sinks, because Julie was also in our class. I never knew her that well, a couple of conversations over the years, but she was never that involved in after-class activities or anything. And as it happens, I had previously picked up on the fact that he seemed annoyed about the fact that she never joined the social stuff. As I aspire to approach situations as drama-less and as logical as possible, I just say that I agree that she is good-looking. 
The thought nagged at me for a long while, but I decided to try and ignore it as best as possible, while knowing that there we had just had a few months left until summer and everyone had their degree. In the fall, I started my awesome job. There were two positions available when I applied, and guess who got the other one? Yes, you are correct, it was Julie. So, now we are colleagues and I see her every damn day. She's nice and we get along well, but the fact that I have to see her every day ends up in me comparing us, and I'm so annoyed with myself for it. And, like two to four times a month, I'm in bed and the comment pops into my head and my heart sinks. So, a few months ago, after a couple, in brackets, a lot, of drinks, and our first real discussion about something unrelated, but sort of tangent, so I brought it up. Keep in mind, things were a bit heated due to the other discussion. I said something along the lines of, I know this might be stupid to bring up, as there isn't really anything you can do about it, but it's been bothering me. And after I explained, he looked me in the eye and said, Well, I can't do anything about that. I think Julie is the perfect 10. So let's just say that didn't help. So I've obviously thought about this a lot, and I think one of the main reasons this is nagging at me is the degree, to the degree that it is, is that I've never been one to focus much on looks. I do my makeup in like five minutes, and I just put clothes on without much thought. It's honestly not something I've always prided myself on, considering the people I hung around with while growing up who did care a lot. John, however, cares about looks. And this is the first relationship I'm in where I'm honestly afraid that I'm the party with more feelings than the other, which is exacerbated by the fact that I had to push for us to become official due to him saying that it wasn't really that important being official, and because he felt it was a very short time after his relationship with his ex ended. So, kind people of Reddit, please give me some advice on how to forget this or handle it in a better way than I'm doing now. TLDR, that's the too long didn't read version. My boyfriend told me another girl, who was a classmate of ours at the time, and is now my colleague, was the only perfect 10 he knew of. Wow, there is a lot to unpack in that particular story. Alright, let's start with this conversation that they had between the two of them, where they were asked to rate themselves out of 10. It's not an uncommon conversation, you'd probably only have it once or twice, uh, in the beginning stages of a relationship, and it can be a reasonably interesting way of beginning a dialogue about how the other person sees themselves, you know, what's their self-esteem at. If you ever find yourself in this situation, you need to have a good answer, and that answer should be 10. Straight up, you need to be putting yourself as a 10, because if you're not having that high self-esteem, if you don't feel good about yourself, it's not really going to be working out in a romantic partnership. Before you can really have a relationship with another person, you need to have a good relationship with yourself. There are very few people who have a dysfunctional relationship with themselves who are out there having healthy, beautiful relationship dynamics. That just doesn't occur very often because it's an absolutely essential paradigm to have fixed within yourself first. It's like a pyramid you're at the bottom, you need to have that sorted before you can lay anything else on top. And also, think of it this way from an ethical point of view. If you love somebody, you want the best for them. So if you think that you're a 7, just as an arbitrary number, whereas you think that your partner is a 10, well, you're in a problem there because if you want what's best for your partner, then you know that you're selling them short and that's going to eat at you. That's going to be deleterious for your relationship. If you want the best for your partner, 
and you think that they're a 10, you're going to want them to be with a 10 as well. Otherwise, you're going to feel like you're cheating them. So there's no way of getting around this. Either you're cheating your partner or you're cheating yourself. So before you go into a relationship with another person, I would always encourage you to sort out your relationship with yourself so that if you're ever asked to rate yourself out of 10, you can say with confidence that you are a 10. Now, let me clarify what I mean by a 10 because I don't mean that you need to be the absolute best looking, smartest, wealthiest, most incredible person on the planet. That idea where we need to rate everybody from worst to best doesn't really work. I don't like that scale. The way I see it is that there's, there's a sort of threshold uh, that you need to cross. And at that point, you become a 10. In order to cross that threshold, you need to have self-ownership, self-esteem. You need to have uh, engaged in solid self-development. And what really exists is not one person at the top who's a perfect 10 and everyone else is beneath them. But there's a huge group of people who are kind of top tier people. And within that tier, there's no point in really comparing because everybody is such a unique individual. So whether this top tier person who's a 10 is better than this top tier person who's a 10 is not really relevant. What is important is that you're the best version of yourself, that you know that you're owning your life and you're kicking butt. That's what you need. That way, you're top tier and then you're not going to need to compare yourself to somebody else. If you're absolutely killing it in your particular field and your avenue, if somebody else is killing it in their field and being the best version of themselves, there's not really going to be any need to compare. Now, even if you reach this threshold, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're finished. You don't just sit there as the Buddha, completely enlightened or at the top of the Fortune 500 company, just ruling the world. It doesn't work like that. You can still absolutely have ambition, both in your practical outside life and in your internal psychological or spiritual life. You're an awesome work in progress, and you're always going to be a work in progress. But there's a sort of paradox here is that you're complete in that you're at peace with the pace that you're making in your journey. You'll always be improving, but you have improved enough to basically be an awesome person. That's where you want to be. And if you're looking for a partner, that's what you want to find in a partner. So just to summarize all of that, you should become the best version of yourself before you go into a relationship. All right, let's start talking about the conversation that caused all of this drama. John says that Julie is not just a perfect 10, but the perfect 10. There's not really any other way to interpret this particular comment. It's clear that he is settling when he's being with the author of this post. He would rather be with Julie. To him, he she's the dream girl. Now, obviously, he, he can't know her that well, so this is just a fantasy in his mind. So the actual person of who Julie is isn't really relevant to this discussion. What is isn't what is important is that there is this other creature, this mythical being, this goddess who's this perfect 10 out there and his current girlfriend is not that. So a lot of people would listen to this story and be completely confused by his actions. They'd say, why did he say this? What was prompted, what prompted him to do that? What was going through his mind that made him want to share this incredibly intimate fact about his his preference for this other woman well honestly i think that he said it because he would feel better it's a way of clearing his conscience if he really does have this intense crush and this idolization of another woman 
to not share that with your partner would almost feel like a lie. And by sharing it, he's cleared his conscience. He's clearly obsessed with this particular woman. I would say that this whole game about the rating themselves from 1 to 10, it may have well been just a concocted plan to bring up this Julie girl to, to talk about her. Now, when they're talking about she's a perfect 10, are they talking just about looks? I, I sincerely doubt it. I think we're talking a whole package here because from the other parts of the story, I think it's reasonably safe to say that we can gather that he likes her, that he really likes her. Now, this conversation is really, really unfortunate for the author of our post. She's feeling hurt. She's feeling insecure. So what does she do? She just agrees with him. Yeah, she's pretty. And then she tries to move on. She does what most of us would do in this situation, completely normal. But when she's feeling hurt, she's going to retreat into herself. She's going to put up some walls. She's going to put up some boundaries because that's what you do when you're feeling vulnerable. You, you move to protect yourself. It's understandable, but unfortunately it is moving in the wrong direction because you've got to lean deeper into that vulnerability if you ultimately want to overcome it. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there for years as has occurred. So what should she have done in this situation? She should have felt the pain and it would have stung and she would have felt extremely hurt and upset and probably scared that she was going to become overly emotional and start scaring him off. But she should have done everything that she could to push past this pain and have the difficult conversation with him. There are a number of questions that should have been asked in the outset that could have saved a lot of pain later on. She should have asked, so what specifically is good looking about her? You know, a question like that can get a better sense of where he's coming from with regards to looks and preferences. She could have asked, do you like her personality? How would you feel if she was your girlfriend? Uh, Are there any major differences that you see between me and her? Would you rather be dating me or her? Now, the reason that she didn't ask these questions, as I'm sure you've guessed, is because she's terrified of the answers, with good reason. She's hurt already. I can imagine she's going to be hurt more. But the fact that he hasn't given the answers to these questions doesn't necessarily make things better. Out of sight and out of mind doesn't really work when it comes to these intense emotional uh, connections that we have in human relationships. Things that are unspoken are toxic. And as bad as it is, you have to let the poisons rise to the surface, have these difficult conversations. So if he says, yeah, I would rather be dating her than you, gosh, that's going to sting. But they then need to talk about their relationship because, you know, if you don't, (laughs) you might invest two years into your life with this man and he's the wrong man. You know, look at them. Two years later, they're having the argument that they should have had two years ago. Wow, look at how much time you've wasted in those two years. And although it doesn't matter so much for men because biologically they can have children well into their, you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s. For a young woman to waste two years on a man that she's ultimately not going to end up with simply because she avoided talking about something, because she avoided an argument, those are some really important two years because women are on a biological clock. You can only have children when you're very young. 
well, certainly you can only have healthy children. The risk goes up considerably as you get older. And so women are under a certain pressure to find the man that they want to spend their life with and have children with. And I can't think of a better reason to have the fights that are necessary to have the difficult conversations than that. As a woman, your time when you're young is precious. Do not waste it. Now, even if she was feeling too vulnerable right there in the moment to have that conversation, which would be completely understandable. I'm not um, shaming her in any way because she wasn't able to have that. It would be very difficult. I think you require almost superhuman emotional strength to have that talk right there when you're feeling that hurt. But there's nothing to stop you from revisiting that conversation a week later. Yes, I understand that that's going to be embarrassing because a week's gone by and you say, hey, I know this is a bit weird, but you remember that comment you made a week ago? I really want to talk about it. That's awkward. No way of getting around that. But look, if he's your partner, you should be allowed to be a little bit awkward in front of him. And it's a lot better than the alternative to hold it inside of you where it's going to fester. It's going to trigger in your memories again and again, two to four times a month and then come out in a fight two years later. That is the worst road you could possibly have taken. So as soon as you feel the strength to have the conversation and you're ready to hear the painful answers and to confront your fears, that's when you've got to do it. Now, I don't want to discount the fact that this woman has had some really, really rotten luck. If she wanted to just have this out-of-sight, out-of-mind perspective on it, which personally I don't think would have worked anyway. I think she needed to talk about the comment that he made. But even if that strategy did have some hope of succeeding, suddenly she's colleagues with this woman. That is just brutal. Now she has to see her every day. And of course, comparison is absolutely inevitable. And this is not a gendered thing. This is not like women are naturally have this tendency to compare themselves to other women any more than men have that tendency to compare themselves to other men. If I, as a man, was dating somebody and they told me that some other bloke was a perfect 10 or the perfect 10, of course I would compare myself to them. Now, hopefully you'd be able to move through it, you know, you'd be mature and examine the psychology and your own feelings and have good conversations, but on a pure, base, primal, instinctual level, you would feel threatened by that other guy. Now, it's come out, it's just so badly. I think that she danced around this a little bit, but when she's talking about a conversation, let's be clear, they're having an argument. This is a couple's fight. She says they've had some drinks, a lot of drinks, in fact, so they're probably a bit wasted. This is definitely heated. Let me, let me find the exact quote. All right. And she says to him, I know this might be stupid to bring up, as there isn't really anything you can do about it, but it's been bothering me. That's what she tells Reddit, she said to him. Now, if they're in an argument, and it's a heated argument, they've had a couple of drinks, there's no way, no way she was that calm and rational in in expressing that to him. She, she was she was probably in a lot more likely she screamed it at him, you know? Let, let, let's be real. You know, she's trying to make herself look more rational than she actually was. But this is an emotional hurt and she threw it at him not to start a real discussion, but she threw it at him to hurt him, to bring up like a, 
look at this thing you did to me this one time. And gosh, that is just a bad road to go down. If you ever find yourself in a relationship where people bring up, you know, dumb things you've done in the past or times that they've been hurt, not out of a sincere intention to work through the issue and to get closer to you, but just to score points against you, just to insult you, just to hurt you. Oh, you might want to seriously reconsider getting out of that relationship. That is not indicative of a healthy psychology. So this was the exactly wrong time to bring it up. And she hurls it at him as an insult. It was designed to hurt him. But imagine for a moment if she brought it up in a different context, even two years later. Imagine if she was totally sweet and kind when she brought it up. You know, she, she sat down. When they were getting along well, when the vibes were good and both were happy, and she said, I just feel so dumb and I'm really, really insecure, but I just feel so close to you right now and I want to get even closer. And there's this thing that I've never spoken to you about. Is it okay if we speak it now? If you can approach with the best intentions and express your vulnerability like that to a man, he's not going to be angry. His masculine nurturing instincts are going to come out and he's going to think, oh, wow, she's she's really vulnerable right now. I, I want to do whatever I can to make this right. So he's going to say, yeah, of course, you know, tell me what's going on, you know, share with me. Humans on the whole need to break this habit of only expressing their vulnerabilities in times that they've been hurt when they're angry because it's getting it 100% wrong. You're doing it backwards. When you bottle up all of these feelings from the past, all these hurts that you have gone through from past events, and then they come out in rage, that's not going to be an opportunity to get closer to another person. That's not going to make you feel like you're on the same team. Then it it's almost cheapening the the hurt that you went through and any genuine victimization that you experienced because you're not really taking it in any other way other than using that against the other person. What you need to start to do is to use the good times in a relationship to explore your negative feelings. This is not something that people want to do. When, when, when times are good, you're not thinking, oh, I need to start exploring all of these terrible feelings inside myself. You just want to continue with the good times. That, that's understandable, but it's a missed opportunity. Because when things are good, that's when you're likely to get the best response from the other person. So you you share your vulnerabilities. You share, hey, I was really hurt this time when you said this thing or you did this thing. And then the other person, they're not going to be feel so defensive. In an argument, they're going to feel absolutely defensive. Nothing remotely is going to get sorted. But in a nice conversation, it's an opportunity to get closer to each other. They can have that that conversation that they should have had where he explains why he finds Julie appealing, where he expresses sympathy and understanding for his current partner's insecurities, where they go deep in conversation and get to know each other better and move through this. I mean, there's a number of things that the, he could ask that would bring them closer together. The conversation would be difficult, but if he was to ask, how does it feel, how does it make you feel to know that I find another woman attractive? Or do you doubt my love for you? Is there anything I can do to reassure you? Um, going back to the sort of she pressured him into a relationship, he could ask, do you feel like you pressured me into this relationship? You know, 
all of these are fertile ground, really rich conversations the two of them could have. And then this didn't need to be an argument. Their relationship from this could have been so much closer. It's quite ironic that past arguments and insecurities can actually be your best ground for becoming closer with each other. It's almost like if you've made it through this and you've done so healthily, then your relationship is that much stronger and more resilient. A couple that's never been tested with any difficult times, you know, who knows if they're really well suited to each other. It's easy to be with somebody while the going is good, while everything's doing well. But if you've been through the hard times and you've dealt with it really, really maturely with a lot of emotional intelligence, that's how you know that you've got potential for the long term. Now, of course, I'm speaking as if that conversation went well in terms of they were able to talk about it and move through it amicably and, you know, uh, and they're brought closer together. But it, it wouldn't necessarily go that way. There's absolutely no guarantee with it. It may well be that he has a certain hang up on this Julie girl that is a genuine limitation on their relationship. But it's better to know it sooner rather than later. You've got to swallow your medicine. You've got to rip that band-aid off and actually look where you're most afraid to look. Because like I mentioned earlier, if he's not the right girl, if he's not the right man for her, she's got to know that sooner rather than better so she later so that she can move on. Ultimately, it's going to be better for both of them. So moving forward for this particular couple, I think they have some tough conversations uh, to have in the future. Ideally, they're not going to have them in an argument. You know, they're not going to use anger uh, to, to explore these feelings because anger is just the wrong. I mean, it's understandable why we use anger, but it's, it's not going to achieve results. So just on a quick tangent, I'll just explain how anger works in this situation because anger is, I think at, a, at its core, anger is basically a defense against vulnerability because when you're feeling vulnerable, you're feeling out of control. You're kind of feeling like, things can just happen to you and it, and it's frightening. But anger is a, a very outward emotion. I'm going to assert control over the situation. I'm pissed, I'm angry, and I'm going to do this. So when you're feeling vulnerable, it's quite normal to leave that vulnerability and, and to go into anger because you're trying to bring yourself back into that balance. If you feel like you're out of control, then you're going to do something to make yourself feel more in control. And in that sense, anger actually does have its place. It's not an entirely negative emotion because you do need to be in balance. But when two people are angry and you're not able to express the vulnerabilities, well, nothing gets done. You, you just move further and further apart. It's like um, magnets repelling each other or, or two objects slamming into each other only to bounce back a lot further. If you're both able to express your vulnerability honestly and authentically with the other person, that's when you're a lot more likely to move closer to each other. Unfortunately, very few people do that because it just feels safer to explore your hurts when you're pissed off. So, so people make themselves angry in order to be able to, to talk about what they're most hurt for. And this is another opportunity to, to spot for red flags. If you're with a partner who's only ever expressing their vulnerability and the times they're hurt in anger, be extremely concerned, you know, speak to them about it. Doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that it's a habit that can't be broken, but if you're never able to see their, their soft side, their emotional side, their vulnerable side, except when they're angry and they're sort of throwing it at you as a, as an insult, that might be time to start reconsidering whether or not you're better off with somebody else, because it's, 
just so fundamental to a healthy relationship that you don't engage in that kind of behavior. So for this woman, she's angry. She started this argument, it seems like, and she's brought it up. I think that she just needs to take another week. She needs to get her head together. She needs to learn how to be vulnerable and to express her vulnerability and then get the answers that she she needs. She needs to really find out where he's at. You, you need to know where your partner's at. So don't make any rash decisions. Go and collect the data that you need and then make your choice. Personally, I would be extremely surprised if they were able to move through this. I think it would require quite a lot of growth from him in a short period of time as to why he's um, why he's settling, you know, <laughs> and why he's comfortable settling. Very, very strange. Um, that's a very difficult situation. My, my empathy goes out to both of them. I hope they're able to uh, <laughs> to sort this out. So at the end of a story, what I like to do is go through uh, five of the comments that I found from the Reddit section just to get a sense of what other people felt about this story. So here we go. My best friend ultimatumed her boyfriend of 10 years to get married. Their five-year anniversary was in October. Guess what's happening now? Divorce. Shocker. Okay, so yeah, this comment is about how she pressured him into a relationship, basically saying if you give an ultimatum, then you're not likely to stay together. I would I would agree with that. Um, it it's uh, quite similar to that vulnerable and asserting control discussion that we just had. If you're feeling vulnerable in a relationship, like oh I don't know where this relationship's going, he's not committing to me. Uh, you can give an ultimatum to try and give yourself that sense of control, and temporarily it might work. You know, this person's friends obviously got married, and so that would have given that slight sense of control, but look, it's an illusion. They got divorced. You can't negotiate desire. If somebody doesn't want to be with you, then they're not going to be with you. Um, ultimatums don't work. N never issue them. Just talk to people instead. I mean, do you really want to be in a partnership where you need to control the other person and dictate their actions? You want them to want to be with you. Next comment. You said, this thing you said hurt me. And he said, I don't care, I meant it, and I'll say it again. Is that the kind of person you want to be with, and is that the kind of relationship that you want? Yeah, I agree, there's something in this, this psychology of him that you need to explore to find out exactly why he wanted to bring this up, or why he brought it up in the way that he did, or... I mean, it's, a, it's an awkward thing to do if you genuinely do have a crush on another person, but, you know, you're making decisions to be with a different person, you know, you need to know, the other person needs to know the reasons for that. Um, so it's difficult to speculate. They certainly need to have that, that talk. Next comment. Yep, that conversation ended... Sorry, I'll start again. Yep, that conversation ended exactly where he wanted to. He was waiting for an opportunity to call Julia 10. Seems like he couldn't wait to say it again. That is a good comment. I would agree with that. He did seem extremely eager to, to talk about her. It wouldn't surprise me if that conversation, like I mentioned before, was concocted specifically to talk about her. That's kind of how it is if you have a crush on somebody. You sort of, you want to share it with people. And as absolutely inappropriate as it is to share it with your current romantic partner, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what was going on here. He wanted to talk about her. <sighs> Again, need to speak to him about that. Next comment. Fun fact, you are not obligated to keep dating an arsehole just because you've been dating an arsehole for the last however many years. 
<laughs> I'm not totally convinced that he's an asshole. He might be, but she seems very keen on this guy. Um, was it a dick move to bring her up? I think that potentially it might have been to bring it up in such a an insensitive way to do no groundwork to try and make sure that she was okay, not to follow up with any questions of how she's feeling, the fact that he did that. It did seem like a bit of a slap in the face. Now, whether or not that was intentional or not, that's difficult to speculate. But a lot of people aren't assholes. They might just be dumb. You know, who knows? You call him an asshole now, but if you actually had a real conversation with him where you, where you talked all this out, you may find that he opens up and there's all these things that you didn't know about him that you could find out that would completely explain why he did what he did. So I'm never a fan of just writing people off and just saying, oh, well, he's an asshole, as if that is a satisfying explanation. That's an intellectual cop-out, and I always think that it's important to, to dig deep and try and find out what's going on. All right, the last comment for this story. This is ridiculous. It reminds me of the time my ex was talking about how some other girl had better pussy than me with his friends, and I was literally sitting right there. Oh my god. <laughs> she was sitting there, and he was bragging to his friends about how he'd had better pussy than her. That is terrible. Sorry, the comment's not over. Don't put up with this. You deserve to be with somebody who thinks you're the most beautiful girl on the planet. Seriously, raise your standards. Ooh. All right, well, first off, that is a terrible, terrible thing to do, to to brag about other women to your friends while your girlfriend's sitting right there. That is, yeah, leave, leave that guy. He, he He's no good. But I do take issue with this, you deserve to be with someone, somebody who thinks you're the most beautiful woman on the planet. That, uh, I don't agree with that at all. I think that to have that expectation... It just makes you act like a like an entitled, spoiled brat, really. You know, you're not really deserving of anything. If you're not the most beautiful woman on the planet, why would you want to be with somebody who thinks you are? They're clearly delusional. <laughs> you know, you want somebody who is in touch with reality, but who's sweet. You know, like if it, let's real talk here. If you're a seven out of ten as a woman, you want to be with a man who accurately can see that you're a seven out of ten in terms of looks but who's always kind about it, who never uses it in a, in a mean way who, or puts you down in any way. You don't want somebody who's delusional and just worships the ground that you work on, or walk on. That's not going to be good for anybody. So while I agree, get rid of that guy, raise your standards. I'm talking about the guy from this comment, not from necessarily from the story, but I, I definitely don't buy into this, this, um, this phenomenon we see of in modern culture of you deserve to be with somebody who treats you like a princess and thinks you're the most amazing person on the planet. You're not entitled to that. If you want that, you need to really, really, really work for it. You need to earn that. Otherwise, you're just, um, yeah, you're just chucking a tantrum because you're not getting your, um, <laughs> your undeserved rewards. All right, so that brings us to the end of that story. Before I go on to the next story, I just want to thank the channel's... Uh, sorry, this podcast sponsor, which is Man-Made Media. Now, if you haven't heard of this, what they do is they take scientific studies and then break them down into small, easy-to-understand videos. I am involved with Man-Made Media, and I'm a big believer in what, what they're doing and what we're doing here. So if you don't have time to read an entire journal article, but you still want your opinions to be grounded in facts, this is the right way to consume that content. Man-Made Media is videos they cover things like gender dynamics human relationships 
you know, they're short, there's little animations, completely easy to understand, just fantastic, really believe in this product, so check them out. The latest video is about booty calls and how men and women are different when it comes to what they look for in a partner for a booty call and how their preferences for mate characteristics change, whether or not they're looking for a short-term or a long-term relationship or just a booty call. They're only $5. Absolutely recommend you check this out. High quality product. In order to find them, if you're watching on YouTube, just click on the link in the description. If you're listening to the audio of this, type into Google uh, or into your search bar man-made-media.myshopify.com. So again, that's man-made-media.myshopify.com. And you'll find it there. Only $5, fantastic value. Science of Booty Calls, check it out. All right, I'm just going to take a quick drink and then we'll move on to our second story, the one with the nude beach. Oh, all right, here we go. Am I, a 21-year-old female, setting my boyfriend, 21-year-old male, up for an embarrassment if we go to a nude beach with people we know? I don't know how sensitive guys really are with this. That's the title, and we start with the TLDR. My boyfriend has always wanted to go to a nude beach. We have an opportunity to go to one. My roommate and her boyfriend are also going. I'm worried if my boyfriend, how my boyfriend will feel if he will be embarrassed about a size issue in front of people we know. So here's the story. Long story short, my boyfriend of one year has always said going to a nude beach is a bucket list thing for him. He's talked about going many times, but we don't have one near us. We go to school in the Midwest. We are going on a cruise for spring break that docks in St. Martin, where they have an excursion to a nude beach. I wanted to surprise him and buy the excursion for us, since we've always said we want to try it. And normally I'd know, I know that he'd be super excited to know that we're doing that. So the downside to this is that we're going on the cruise with one of my roommates and her boyfriend, also both 21. Which should be awesome, but she already bought that excursion also. Keeping this safe for work, I know for a fact that her boyfriend is very blessed, in brackets, anatomically, in case you didn't get that, because she was actually surprised enough to show pictures of this to me before. My boyfriend is the exact opposite, like just the top is visible when soft. Just the top is visible when soft. I don't really know what that means, but I'm getting her boyfriend is a small cock. And she does not know that, obviously, the friend doesn't know that. My boyfriend's not a shy guy. This has never been a problem or an issue for us. I also seriously doubt our friends would say anything or care about that at all. But I know guys are sensitive about this. So now I'm questioning if this surprise would be more upsetting than exciting for him. And it's also like, I'd feel like asking him how he'd feel would be kind of insulting since this has literally never been an issue. So I don't know. Maybe I'm really overthinking this too much and we should just do it. I just... I know that guys can be self-conscious about that, so I'm stumped. Any advice is much appreciated. Oh, I actually think that that's kind of sweet. You know, she wants to surprise her boyfriend, do something nice for him, and she cares enough about his feelings and how he's going to take this surprise to to write a post on Reddit and to, to check in to see if her instincts are correct and what she should do. Um, so, yeah, I think that's sweet. Now, having said that, this plan of going to a nude beach is absolutely disastrous <laughs> and i'll explain why but absolutely do not do this all right going going right back to the start let's talk about the fact that her boyfriend has this on his bucket list 
All right, that may be true, and I can see how you might think this is a perfect opportunity, but understand that going to a nude beach versus going to a nude beach with people that you know, close friends who know you well, those are two very, very different experiences. People might want to go to a nude beach for a number of different reasons. You know, you might want to just swim in the ocean the way that nature intended, you know, the way you were brought into the world, just just be naked and wild. That, that could be one reason. You could be a bit of an exhibitionist and you just like the idea of being naked in front of strangers and having them look at you. That's possible. You could just want to look at naked women. Um, <laughs> if that's if that's your goal, I think you'll be disappointed. I think nude beaches are mostly men and the few women that go are not likely to be the ones that you're going to find attractive. But you know, as a fantasy, that might be what he's thinking, that he's going to go to the beach and just see a bunch of gorgeous young naked women who are in the nude. I sincerely doubt it, but oh, well, I don't know. It could happen. Or it, look, he could just be after the thrill of something new, but for whatever reason he does have for putting this on his bucket list, I think that being naked in front of his friends and being compared to somebody who's really well endowed that is not going to be his reason. So I definitely do not do this because, you know, if he's naked and his really well-endowed friend is also naked, your boyfriend's not going to be enjoying himself. You know, I don't know him. I don't know him personally, but I can basically guarantee that he's going to have a stressful experience. He's going to feel insecure the entire excursion. And worse than that, I don't think the pain will necessarily end for him just in that one experience. This kind of event could have a strong impact on his friendship, you know, with this man permanently. You know, that's not good. All right, can we just talk for a moment about how weird it is that women talk about their boyfriend's penises? Like, as I as I read this story, I had a bunch of of, of stories from my past come back to me that reminded me of things like this. So I remember uh I was in one of those one of those I don't know those weird foursome kind of groups you sometimes find yourself in where you've got your girlfriend and and maybe her friend is dating your friend or something like that. In this instance, her best friend was dating some guy I didn't know, and my girlfriend would tell me about his dick. And it was really uncomfortable, you know, like it, it was a little bit smaller than than average, you know, she'd tell me about it and she'd tell me the difficulties that she and her that um, her friend was having with it. And it was really uncomfortable. I certainly didn't ask any questions. And then every time we'd hang out, like we'd go out to dinner or anything like that, it would be on my mind. I mean, I don't want to know about, about, about cocks, about like how, how big people's cocks are. And it was also really uncomfortable because you're thinking, my God, why, why is she telling me this? You know, is she telling her friends about my dick, you know? And it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're ashamed of your cock in any way. It's just that we wear clothes for a reason. It's because we're, we're trying to hide that. I don't think that it's it should be up for up for discussion. Can some things, you know, just be kept private? Reminds me of, an, I had another story like this, which is what makes me think this is quite common. So any women who are listening to this and you do this, you talk about your boyfriend's penis, stop that. I, I really think that's inappropriate. I mean, there's no way that your boyfriend's okay with that, unless he's really well hung. But even then, I, I think you'd still think that it's weird. I think it's it's really, really weird. But back to my story, 
had the same situation, completely unprovoked. I certainly wasn't seeking the information. This girl starts telling me about her her best friend's boyfriend's dick and how it was really, really small. And again, it's on your mind every time I'm chatting to this guy. Like, oh, this guy's got a small cock. What an unpleasant thought to have. You don't want to know that stuff. And why she'd share it with me is completely beyond me. So in this situation, from this story, where the friend is showing you pictures of her boyfriend's cock. What the fuck? That is absolutely weird as hell. Uh, I cannot imagine that the boyfriend has given, given permission to show these pictures. I mean, why she has pictures of his dick, that's, that's pretty weird. But let's just have to assume that it's for some private thing. Oh, <laughs> I just think it's a massive violation of trust. Think of it going the other way. If, if you have, uh, you know, pictures of, if you're a bloke and you have pictures of your girlfriend's vagina, you shouldn't be showing that to your friends either. This is just, this is not at all uh, appropriate. I have to give props to the girl who wrote this story because at least she didn't start speaking about her boyfriend's cock or, or whip out some pictures or anything like that. So, I mean, <laughs> good girl. I guess we have a um, pretty low standard for what is qualifies as, as good behavior. But, you know, <laughs> well done, I guess, at, at least not succumbing to that. Um, all right. There is a situation where it might be appropriate to talk about it. If you're genuinely having sex issues with your partner and you need to get some advice, you need a second opinion, and I can see that if a guy's got a really big dick, potentially that might actually cause some issues in the bedroom, you know, if you're not able to take it all or if it's causing you to bleed or um, tear or something like that. I can understand why you'd want to speak about it. But in that sense, it's, I mean, you certainly still don't need to show pictures but at least you're not just gossiping. You're actually seeking information. So, I mean, in that instance, I guess it would be okay. But for the most part, women keep that stuff private. You shouldn't be gossiping about your boyfriend's cocks. And men, exactly the same. Your, your girlfriend's vagina should be between you and your girlfriend. It shouldn't be for your friends. All right. Now that we've covered that, let's actually return to the question that she sort of posed. You know, should she do this? now? I understand that she wants to do a sweet surprise for her friends. Um, she's sort of in two minds because she's thinking, well, he's not a shy guy. She's pretty confident that her friends won't care. But she, also her instincts have told her, hey, check in on Reddit about this because I've never done something like this before and I don't really know how men feel about this. And in this instance, absolutely trust your instincts. If this guy had a normal penis, you know, go for it. You know, I don't think it would be so much of a problem. If he's really as enthusiastic about going to a new beach as you've presented him as being, then there shouldn't be any problem. But look, since he does have a small dick, I, I really don't think that it's appropriate to have him placed in a situation where he's going to be directly comparing himself to his friend. You know, it doesn't sound like it's a problem between you and him in your sex life and in your relationship. And Here's an interesting thing to consider is he might not even realize at this stage that he's um, not as well endowed as the most average, as the average guy. He might not know he has a small cock. Um, he might look at porn and just go, oh, those are porn actors. That doesn't, you know, obviously I'm not going to compare myself to him. And that kind of ignorance, I think that that's, that's good. If he's not insecure, certainly don't make him. And taking to the beach, that might make him. It's an unfortunate 
I mean, it's quite extraordinary if he's not insecure because uh, as far as I know, the research on this is absolutely devastating. Something like 75% of men, I mean, that's three quarters of the people listening to this podcast. 75% of men are insecure about their cock size. I did research on this for a video uh, for my YouTube channel uh, like a year ago. So I'm a little bit rusty on the details, but here was the extraordinary thing is that after men who were insecure about their dick size were actually educated on what was considered average and taken through the data by professionals, for 80 plus percent of them, their insecurity went away, which shows you that the problem is actually not small dicks out there. The problem is what our perception of what average actually is. You do get guys who have giant cocks and you do get guys who have really small cocks. It does happen, but it's actually pretty rare. It's something like 95% of men's penises fall within the average percentile. So basically everyone's walking around with, for the most part, the same kind of cock. And so all of this insecurity is completely unnecessary. It's all in the head. So if you're one of the people uh, out there who's insecure about your dick size, please hop online and do some research. You'll probably find that it's all in your head, that your cock is absolutely fine the size that it is. So do not do any unnecessary suffering simply because you're misinformed. Oh, that was a bit of a tangent. But going back to this question, now what she should do, she could just ask him if she really, really thinks that she's um, on the right track and that he's going to love this expedition, just ask him if he's keen to do it. You don't need to phrase it in a way that's going to make him feel insecure, like, hey, honey, I was thinking about doing this uh, nude beach expedition, but I was scared you might realize that you have a small cock and I know that your friend's massive, so what do you think? I'll leave it up to you. That's that's weird, and you're going to put him on the spot, and uh, <laughs> there's really no winning for him in that situation. What you want to do is just ask more generally, like, um, do you want to go to this nude beach maybe even be kind about it and sort of take on some of the shame for him to give him a bit of an out. Just say, I'm a little insecure about being naked in front of our friends, but you know, I'm up for it if you really want to do it. That way, if he says no, you've kind of given him the opportunity to save face a little bit because he'll feel like, yeah, I'm kind of protecting her as well. But if he's like, no, I'm super keen, well, you know, then you've, it's kind of been taken out of your hands. I just don't think you should do this as a surprise. It doesn't necessarily, that's mostly the part that I'm, I'm taking issue with. Going to a new beach with your friends is not inherently a bad idea, but surprising him with it is where the problem is. And when you bring up this question, don't put him on the spot, give him time to answer. You know, maybe um, just say it something like, Hey, give us, the, give us, give this some thought over the next couple of days and get back to me. You know, do you think we should do this expedition or ask him in a text or a phone call or, well, not a phone call because that's pretty on the spot as well. But I think that you want to give him time to really consider his options and then get back to you. You don't want to <laughs> surprise him either with the expedition or the question. So yeah, there's that story. I'm really curious. Let's have a look at some of the comments for this one. All right. So comment number one. Uh, if my friend told me, yeah, man, my girlfriend has the tightest vag here. Look at this picture of it. Not only would I not look, I would stop speaking to him. Well, yeah, good for you. If a guy does that, he's a, he's a dirtbag. I wonder if it's the same. I don't really know how women view this. I hope that men view it the same way that I do, that you shouldn't be sharing pictures, naked pictures of your partner or, or women that you're sleeping with. 
Um, God, I'm just terrified all of a sudden that that women perhaps don't view it as that big a deal and they're just out there casually sharing pictures of their partner's penises. God, I hope that's not the case. I don't really know. But if it is the case, we absolutely need to bring a lot more um, social shame and stigma to that particular activity. And the way to do that would be if your friend is like constantly talking about their partner's cock and showing you pictures, tell them not to. Tell them that it's not appropriate, you know? Um, shame is a terrible emotion, but sometimes shame is absolutely necessary uh, because they really should feel ashamed of doing that. You're violating somebody's trust and letting somebody in on a, a very intimate part of your life that they should not have access to. All right, comment number two, committing someone else to public nudity without getting their approval first is just bad. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to that. That's absolutely correct. Yep, get their approval first. Comment three, one of my favorite ratios to consider is risk slash reward. Your reward if he likes the surprise is like a plus 10 tops. Your risk if he doesn't like the surprise is like a negative 1000. Oh, that is a good comment. That's exactly right. It's not, yeah, because it's not like, oh, it'll be equally good if it goes well as it would be equally bad if it doesn't work out. It's like, no, exactly. I mean, these numbers are arbitrary, but they get the point across. Let's say he likes the surprise and he has a fun experience, plus 10 tops. What if he hates the surprise and he's just burning with humiliation and it completely ruins his friendship with this guy and his girlfriend? That a negative 1,000, that's exactly right. You don't play with fire. The potential for this just to go catastrophically and to be a huge disaster is so massive that it's not worth risking that kind of danger just to get that plus 10 reward. Comment four, that is so being inappropriate. If you found out your boyfriend was showing intimate pictures of you to his friends without your knowledge or consent, would you want someone to let you know you were dating an absolute creep? Yes. Let them know. Some people rationalize uh, not sharing these kind of details because like, oh, well, I don't want to get involved. No, absolute cop out. If you're a good friend to somebody, you tell them all of the data and all the information that you know of in order for them to make the most informed decision. And if you don't do that, you're being a bad friend and you're kind of complicit in what's going on. If your friend is um, getting taken advantage of in some way, let them know. No excuses. All right, last comment for this story. This has nothing to do with penis size and everything with everything to do with simply not having to look at your friend's naked bodies all day if you happen to not be in the mood for it that day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So even, that is a good point. Even if this didn't have a, a, a small penis issue attached to it, you might just not want to see your friends naked. I don't want to see my friends naked. Then I'll think about them, their naked bodies when I hang out with them when they're wearing clothes. You know, clothes, clothes, they really help you focus on what's actually important. You know, potentially if we're all living in a nudist colony, we'd get very used to seeing naked bodies and then it wouldn't be such an issue. But society is not a giant nudist colony. It's a very much a, a large clothed colony. <laughs> a clothed colony. Uh, and, so, and so you shouldn't know what somebody else looks like naked unless you're being intimate with that person, at least of all your friends. It's absolutely weird. So... There's that story. It's time to move on to the third and final story for this podcast. But before we want to, before we get to that, I just want to um, let people know that if they want me to cover a particular story they find on Reddit, or if they have their own personal story that they want me to cover in this podcast, or they just want to get advice or ask a question, the best place to do that is on my Patreon page. Just look up Alexander Grace 
on Patreon. And there's also going to be a link in the description box if you're listening to this on YouTube. I post on my Patreon every day. It's a great way to support the um, the podcast. Uh, I have lots of people who just email with me privately. We go back and forth. They, um, they want to catch my thoughts on some particular topic or something that they're going through. I really enjoy those interactions. If that sounds like it's you, you want to do that, please head over to Patreon. Your support would be greatly appreciated. All right, now on to our third and final story. This one is called, Is My Boyfriend Supposed to Be So Forceful During Oral? Mm. 26-year-old female. I know this is kind of a not one-size-fits-all kind of question, but I don't watch porn and I've never had a guy do this before. He grabs my whole head and then shoves his penis real deep and then my gag reflex can't handle it. He'll keep thrusting too. I love giving head and want to get a lot better at it. I want to be able to handle it, but is this like a reasonable expectation? I feel like he's not really enjoying it. I do a lot with like the tip and some pretty quality sucking, but he seems to be hands off and not really loving it. I mean, literally hands off. He's not touching my body or anything. He doesn't start interacting unless he's grabbing me by my hair or head and shoving it in. I don't like choking on a dick, but I do love to make him feel good. Once he starts grabbing me by the hair and shoving it in, he'll start touching me in other places. Is this normal? Am I bad at giving head? Please help. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, I, I apologize. I apologize for laughing. This This is a serious question. It's just... I don't know. I think it's just funny to me that she's doubting her instincts and he even needs to go onto Reddit to ask this question when the answer is so obvious. Is this a reasonable expectation that a man should be able to just want only face fuck you and, you know, with disregarding how, how you, how you're going? That absolutely not. That's absolutely not a reasonable expectation. Now, potentially it's a reasonable expectation to have some oral sex as part of your sex life. That's normal, but face fucking and like choking and gagging, that is a very, very intense like uh, sexual activity. The body is not designed to do that. The body, like the female body's vagina is built for penises to be inside. That is what it is evolved to be able to do. The back of your throat is absolutely not. Now, humans are incredible beings and we, we invent all kinds of crazy stuff and all kinds of crazy sex stuff. That's absolutely fine. But understand that this is not like a normal thing to do. Face fucking is a highly specialized BDSM move. I know it's been popularized in porn, but it's certainly not something that you should just be able to take for granted that you're able to do to somebody. Absolutely not. If you're going to engage in this practice, you need to understand what the dangers are. And there are numerous dangers. Um, you need it, it takes practice to, to get it right. To start with, you need to be very gentle. You know, you need to establish a lot of trust. You need to talk about it, have communication, install safe words. The fact that, <laughs> I mean, this guy, <laughs> the fact that he just assumes that this is okay, that is absolutely coconuts. That's, that's so weird. Oh, I cannot imagine what his psychology is. Now, let's let's be really um, generous for a moment. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And let's say, let's assume that he has, he's like this because 
maybe he's only dated women previously who absolutely loved it, who have never, during all the forceful blowjobs that he's received, or I don't know if you really receive a forceful blowjob, but in all those instances, if he's never had a girl object, uh, either during or after, then perhaps he's that ignorant that he thinks that this is completely okay. I think that's extremely unlikely that this is just a simple case of miscommunication and misunderstanding, but that is possible and that is the best case scenario. But even so, it just begs the question with such an intense act, how can you not ask first? How can you not have a conversation and sort of seek permission? That is just extraordinary. And even so, during the, during the actual experience, how can you not be paying attention to how she's okay? You know, she's obviously struggling with this. I think she's wrote in the story, her gag reflex can't handle it. So obviously he must be aware that she's struggling. I mean, what does that mean? Your gag reflex can't handle it. To me, that means that she's probably choking and like sputtering during the oral sex. She might even be kind of um, vomiting. So how knowing all of that, like seeing that she's, her gag reflex can't handle it. How is he able to just keep going and not have any kind of conversation about it? I mean, it's so intense what he's talking about. He grabs her by the hair, grabs her by the head, and just keeps thrusting. And this is this is a really intense situation. It's potentially even a little bit dark, um, but we can't necessarily know that for sure. She seems to like him a whole lot, so she sees that she wants to to get better at it, and she loves to see him happy. So. I don't want to read anything into it that's not necessarily there, but even if the rest of their relationship is extremely healthy, this particular aspect is not. This is this is weird. This certainly needs to get some light shone on it. I'm glad she's gone on to Reddit to seek some some advice on this. One part of this post that does make me think that his psychology is potentially quite dark is what I sense is the subtle manipulation that he's using during the sexual act because he's acting completely bored during the regular blow job you know he looks completely uninterested he's not touching a body he's not making any kind of noises and yet when he's able to um have the oral sex the forceful oral sex the kind that he likes you know the face fucking then he's rewarding you by looking more engaged with it by touching your body by making you feel making her feel more desirable and so it's kind of a and encouraging her in one particular kind of way and sort of punishing her when she's not doing what what uh what he wants and that's a weird way to kind of abuse somebody's desire to see you happy to kind of make them do something that they obviously can't handle you know her gag reflex can't handle it but she wants to see him happy and it does sound like he's sort of exploiting that so where is she going to go from here she's i would not recommend at all she said that she doesn't watch porn but that's that's fine. You you don't need to to watch porn. Porn's not necessarily going to help you. Understand. I mean, most people understand this on a rational level, but still deep inside them, they have difficulty integrating this information. But pornography is entertainment, not education. When you're watching adult film actors and actresses have sex, you're watching pros. You're watching the best people in the world at having sex. They have superhuman strength, endurance, you know, a lot of it's done in sort of weird angles and whatever. They're absolute athletes. There's not, you can't look at that to try and get some sense of, of what's normal. This is why you need to, to 
you know, get off the internet and just talk to friends. Or if none of your friends have any experience, I guess, well, maybe go back on the internet, but don't go to porn sites. Come come to a site like Reddit. That's that's really good. But it's a situation like this why I'm really passionate about destigmatizing sex and sexual conversations. Now, as we mentioned in the nude beach story, I think there are some details like cock size or vagina tightness or whatever it is that should absolutely remain private. But I do think that it's a problem that in our culture, we don't talk about sex as um, comfortably as we should, because what happens is you get people ending up in situations like this, where she is genuinely confused about whether or not this behavior is normal. No, it's absolutely not normal for him to be doing that. But how does she know? Perhaps if we lived in a culture where people spoke about their sex lives a lot more openly, then she would know that. But she doesn't, and she's potentially been suffering at it because she hasn't known <laughs> she hasn't known that what she's been going through is is completely out of the ordinary. I I think this guy is really lucky to have this girl. I think she sounds sweet. You know, what does she say? She says she loves giving head and wants to get better. I mean, here she is suffering at the hands of this intense face fucking, and her thought is, Am I doing this wrong? I want to get better. I mean, wow, what a girl. That is that is commitment to your man's happiness. Props props to you. I will say that potentially you just want to make sure that you're not getting taken advantage of. I think it's really sweet that you want to make him happy and you want to get better at this, but don't set the bar so high that you need to be able to handle intense face fucking in order to be able to make him happy as if that's necessarily a reasonable standard. Maybe it's a treat every now and then, but it sounds like he wants that to be the only kind of oral sex that he's enjoying. And look, there are lots of couples out there where the man never gets oral sex. So the fact that you're willing to give him oral sex at all, that's that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> now, there are obviously um, like techniques and um, things you can do. I know there's like numbing agents for tonsils. There's, there's techniques to practice with. Um, it's not something I've ever personally like <laughs> taught myself to do. So I don't know all of the details, but I am aware that there are things that you can do to make your body more accustomed to face fucking and if you really really want to do it you can go down that route but much more important than getting better at being able to take forceful cock shammed and slammed into your mouth is the communication that's the problem you need to start talking to your boyfriend um because even if you are a willing participant there's no excuse for him to not go slowly to not talk to you about it and to set a pace that you're comfortable with that way you can actually have a healthy a healthy experience that might include face fucking, but you're both on the same page. It doesn't feel like one person is being um, exploited or taken advantage of at the expense of the other person, which is what this feels like to me at the moment. I, I don't like the sound of this dynamic at all. But that's me. Let's see what the people in the comments have said about this story. I was a rammer when I was much younger. I didn't know I was doing it horribly wrong. I never really liked BJs all that much either. Then on my 21st birthday, my girlfriend told me to just relax and not to move while she gave me head. It was amazing. I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he was a rammer when he was younger. Well, potentially he's just grown up watching porn and, and that's all the porn shows these days is, um, is forceful blowjobs. Maybe he didn't know anything better. Maybe the guy in this story doesn't know anything better. I guess the solution would be to to give really, really good head you know sometimes you know there's a lot of a lot of sexuality is about control and about power and some guys are just kind of um hyper masculine i don't know if masculine is the right term but 
they they love to be the dominant one in all the sexual encounters. They love to be in control. So they don't want the girl on top during sex. They'd rather be doing it doggy style or missionary style or standing or something like else where, where they're in control of the pace. They're in control of um, of how often the thrusts are kind of coming. That That's quite common. A lot of guys are like that. But they're missing out if they can only have sex that way. You know, you've got to expand your sexual repertoire. And I think that much like this comment is expressing enthusiasm for just receiving a blowjob, that's kind of what oral sex should be like, is it should be receiving, it should be an opportunity to just enjoy and to relax, almost like a massage with her mouth and tongue on your cock. You know, you just sit back and, and don't do anything. You don't, I mean, you can try face fucking occasionally if she's up for it, but if you're unable to enjoy a regular blowjob, then I think that you've got some kind of control issues and, uh, and you need to learn to just sort of receive for a little bit, just to not be the one in control for just a moment. Um, and that might be quite confronting for you. A lot of people don't necessarily like that, but Hey, to me, that's just interesting psychology to explore. That's, that's where I find life, life gets, um, (laughs) worth living. That's where it's interesting. Not everyone's like me though. Let's move on to the second comment. Talk to him about it. And if he continues, give him a little teeth action or a good ball squeeze as a friendly reminder. (laughs) Uh, It's got a smiling emoji with it. That's funny. I I don't agree though. I think that um, the way, oh, well, yeah, talk to him about it. That's the part I agree with. Um, uh, (laughs) I don't, don't use teeth or a ball squeeze as a friendly reminder, you know, just have some other like tap him on the body or some other kind of safe word to get out of it. Uh, Don't, don't use teeth. That's, that's never going to be fun for anybody. Next comment. No, it isn't a reasonable expectation. Be honest with him and tell him he can offer feedback to let you know what he likes, but he can't force it on you. And yes, he's publicly mimicking porn. Yep. I would agree with that. Next comment. Props to you. If you want to learn to deep throat, I would never put a girl through that on my behalf. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of a question. Like you might get some enjoyment. I mean, here's the truth about blowjobs: is that for a penis, like, I think it's like ninety percent of the the nerve endings are on the very tip of the cock, and so a girl doesn't actually need to go very deep in order to give you an extremely pleasurable experience. And if she's using her hand at the same time, from a physical stimulation perspective, you're basically getting the same um, sensation of a deep throat as whether or not you were just ramming it right down her larynx or whatever. Um, so largely I think that the appeal is, is more psychological and actually like, um, physical and how much joy can that psychologically really give you? Well, obviously it's going to appeal to some guys more than others. So there is some benefit, but like this commenter says, you know, I would never put a girl through that on my behalf. It's not necessarily going to be easy for a girl to learn how to deep throat. And then once she's gone through all the practices and techniques and has figured out how to do it, she still has the reasonably unnatural sensation of a cock, you know, sliding back and forth past her uh, tonsils, you know, really forcefully. I mean, some girls will love it. That's fine. Some girls, if they're just doing it as a favor, they're probably really going to dislike the sensation. So it's a kind of favor that you're doing for your partner. And you have to weigh up how much of a benefit is this really bringing me compared to how much pain am I putting my partner through? And uh, for a lot of guys, it's just not worth it. Like this particular commenter. It's an interesting thing to consider to what degree you're willing to let another person suffer for your pleasure. Uh, potentially if you're doing it as a kind of trade, like there's something you don't really like doing, but she loves doing, then it's all good. You know, just, uh, trade with each other every now and then make a little bargain. Last comment. He probably likes it when you gag. He's not taking the hint because he doesn't want to. 
My man likes when I gag. Ah, that is a good point. Yeah, I think that it's absolutely understandable that some guys might have that particular kink where if a woman is struggling and, and sort of coughing and spluttering and choking like a little bit, maybe that's what he, he, he likes. So it's not that he's taking the hint. Maybe that's what he's actually looking for. Uh, there's got to be some guys out there because like this girl says, my man likes it when I gag. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an interesting discussion. I won't go into it now as to what's typically going on psychologically for somebody if they enjoy the sense that their partner is struggling or, or suffering or in pain. There's this whole, whole BDSM world that you kind of go into. But that might be what the case is with this particular guy. He's actually, it's not that he's not taking a hint. He's getting exactly what he wants. Of course, you won't know this until you have the conversation. So as with everything, talk, talk, talk. Learn more about him. That's fantastic. And that is the final one of our comments for this particular story, and it brings us to the end of our podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to encourage you again to check out Man Made Media and their latest video, The Science of Booty Calls. It runs through the results of this academic scientific study that was done on how men and women are different with regards to booty calls. Fantastic video. Um, I was involved with it, so yep. Two thumbs up, check out Man Made Media. If you want to chat to me, check out my Patreon, or even if you just want to support the podcast, give me some financial support. I, I post there on my Patreon every single day. It's like a living blog for me. Um, I think that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you again next week with three new stories.